don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on the Social Minds podcast. We're always experimenting and trying new things and we've always got a tank ready with a new product in it. We're joined by Josh Benj, the head of social media at BrewDog, to discuss how conversation on social and trending topics inspires everything at BrewDog, from PR to products. Yes, as you'll hear in this podcast, social media can be a real battleground for any brand with pressures that aren't present on other media. Fortunately, BrewDog is a brand that knows its onions. In this podcast, we discussed the golden rule to reactivity being that there is no golden rule, going from controversy to controversy for good, and the importance of offsetting your dog's carbon emissions. Being carbon negative or reducing X amount of carbon by 2035, 2040, 2050, it's just too late. All this and more, coming up. How do social trends and conversations inspire new brew dog products? Cool, thank you for having me guys. It's, uh, it's great to be on the podcast. Um, and yeah, I think it's an interesting question. I think there's there's probably two different ways in which that happens. I think the first is that we're we're always keeping an eye out for something that we can have fun with. I think that's pretty evident if you look at our social channels and things that happen with BrewDog. But to give you an example, I think um, Audi not so long ago they made they made a copycat beer of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, they called it anti-establishment IPA, I believe, which is quite clearly a play on BrewDog and it looked quite similar to our branding and we <laughs> spotted it uh, and I think a lot of brands would have been pretty angry about that but we we just sent them a cheeky tweet uh, and they sent one back and and from that a friendship was born I think within a couple of months they were stocking Ald IPA in supermarkets all over the country um, so yeah the, the trends really do inspire things for us and, and we're always looking for those opportunities to, um, to, to jump on those moments to see if there's uh, a product or at least a bit of social fun that we can have. Mm. And it doesn't just have to be other brands. I think there's a one of our favorite examples of the past year is um, when a certain Dominic Cummings took a trip to Bernard, Bernard Castle. Ah, yes. Um, which, yeah, <laughs> we, we got involved with a little bit and, and created a beer called the Bernard Castle Eye Test. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean, that absolutely flew both in terms of a social perspective, but also mm. from, a, from a sales perspective. Um, and I think it, it's interesting with BrewDog, it, it's almost like, a social media strategy, but for products. And that's something that I've never mm. really seen before with a brand. Um, almost all brands are now are looking for the next moment, the next conversation, the next trend that you can jump into and have a bit of fun with your followers and, and beyond. But I've never really seen a company agile enough to to turn that into a product almost immediately. Yeah. Um, and that gives you a real point of difference where you can turn this into something tangible that you can get into people's hands. So Definitely. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up, Josh, because I was going to ask... This this isn't something that you normally see in terms of it's quite backwards from like social to product. But have you found it easier? Because I know you're relatively new to BrewDoc. Have you found it easier to design a social media strategy for the brand when the product's already designed by these hot topics that are thriving on social? Um, and maybe tell us a little bit about the process behind that. Yeah, sure. Um, I think the answer to that is yes and no. So as you said, I, I am relatively new to BrewDog. And so there's a lot of learning about just how nimble the, the, the business is. Mm. Um, I, I came from KFC, which was from, um, from a business perspective in terms of product and getting to market, very, very slow. It's a very long process. It takes some, sometimes up to a year. I think it took us it took KFC over a year to get new fries into the restaurant. Um, whereas uh, the social team was very quick, very nimble and always, and always um, working in a way that would get things out super fast and jumping on those moments. They're very good at that. And so it's very much the same at BrewDog. Uh, but 
the whole team and the product development NPD team are super agile as well, which is, which is really interesting. Um, it makes it easy in the sense that um, you have a lot that you can speak about very quickly. Like you jump onto a moment um, and you're immediately in the conversation, but then you have a product coming out within a few weeks time that keeps that conversation going and puts you front and center of it. Mm. Um, so it makes it easy from that perspective. I think on the other hand, from a long-term strategy uh, perspective, like you, you can't rely on this um, because these are short, short spikes of, attention i guess yeah. if that's the right word yeah. um and what, what can often happen is you'll you'll set your long-term strategy you'll build this lovely plan you'll have your content calendar your schedules all set up your copies written your assets are ready um and then suddenly you have to flip that all on its head the next time that dominic cummings has been a tit so yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> i mean if you're doing that every single yeah. time <laughs> i can imagine it gets quite disruptive yeah exactly so yeah you build your plan and it's often then just pushed back a week whilst you're dealing with a new beer that's coming out but, but it keeps things exciting um and i think to do so to be that nimble like a lot of it has to happen in-house so we do have agency partners um but they tend to be for us our, our kind of our bigger campaigns that are going out for the for the um always on reactive stuff it has to be done in-house because it just has to be really really quick um so we have designers and creatives in-house and we have people in social that, that turn that around in, in an instant and, on, and on, on that note of speed josh as well speed obviously being a massive one what does social media offer you that uh, traditional media probably doesn't i mean social media agency we're always going to fly the flag first and how is that adapted as the the business is scaled as well i think well for, for brewdog particularly i mean social media makes up probably 80 percent of its marketing so the, the, the vast majority of the business is done is done on social. And so you, you kind of look at it from two sides. You've got the brand part of it and you've got the sales part of it. And through the pandemic, it's it's absolutely been the lifeblood of, of, of our business. And the, the first way is from the communication level. You can speak to people, hear what they want, see what's happening, react to that, um, and then tell people what, what's going on. Uh, and there's no better place that you can do that. And, and especially listening to people, um, I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about our EFP community later, but um, the EFPs are, are essentially our equity for punks investors, uh, and they're the people that have invested in our, ba- our brand, and they are our absolute biggest fans, um, but also our harshest critics. And the feedback loop that you get from those on social and our forum is is something that you can't find anywhere else. And mm-hmm. so, from a brand building perspective, it, it's, it's, there's there's no better place that you can do it. And, and then also just from a sales perspective, if you want to sort numbers. Um, all of our bars have been closed for, for well, yeah. over the last year, on and off throughout the whole of the last year. There's no money coming in through that. Of course, we're in supermarkets as well, but our e-commerce business has just, I mean, over a thousand percent, two thousand percent increase where people aren't able to get our beers and now we're starting to deliver. And um, the best place for us to do that is, is social media for sure. I mean, we talked a little bit there about like how the business has scaled. So obviously like a couple of years ago, I think I read a, an interview with uh, someone at BrewDog saying that they'd specifically chosen to take a social first route over traditional media because you know, it wasn't aligning with the way that, you know, you guys did things. Obviously, you know, you've got an IPO coming up. The business is scaling massively. I want to know how you've been able to keep certain things going as that's happened and then what things have had to change. So one thing I've got in mind is the brand's punk reputation and it's like really loud personality. How has that had to adapt to your growth? Yeah, this is the killer question for us internally at the moment. Um, it, we, we've seen incredible growth, but the, the 
birth of this company has been through that attitude from being punk, from being a little bit crazy and, and, and some of these mad stunts that we've done. And we've built this community of people who, who love us for that. Um, but as you grow, naturally, you start to reach a wider audience. And, and there's two things happening. Brewdog is growing massively, but also the craft industry as a whole is, is hugely growing and starting to take a massive chunk of the market away from your more traditional kind of lager market. And so as we become more mainstream, both in terms of our size and just because the market is moving that way, it becomes really, really important for us to figure out how we keep our punk almost identity and our core brand um, and at the same time appeal to this wider market who doesn't perhaps know all of this history that we've had before. Um, and it is, it is one of the biggest questions that we have internally and how we do that. And I think mm. there's also the question of kind of cultural changes and, and some of the, the crazy stunts that we'd have done in the past just aren't quite as suitable for, for the current times. And so you have to be really mindful of a lot of different things that are happening at the same time. Yeah. Um, and, and one way we've started to do that is kind of like kind of move away a little bit from these the, the more crazy stunts and start to really put our energy into other things and things that, that matter. Uh, and we truly believe like a brew dog that businesses can be a force for good and we want to lead that. And so there's a lot of movement uh, across the board towards focusing on sustainability and, and climate change and, and the things we need to do to save the planet um, from a from a global governmental level. But the numbers, if you read into it, like the, the dates and the timing are not enough. Uh, and a lot of businesses and other brands who are committing to being carbon negative or reducing X amount of carbon by 2035, 2040, 2050, it's just too late. The science tells us that, that it's too late. And so it has to come from businesses. It has to come from brands. And we need to be the people to be making that change. Uh, and that is now what Brewdog is, is committed to do. Uh, and we want to be the brand that are leading the way in that uh, and, and encouraging other people to do the same. Um, and Sometimes that may be with us helping out other brands. Sometimes that may be by us calling out other brands. Um, but it's something that is mass- a massive, massive focus for us. The sustainability stuff you guys have been doing is massive and it's sort of pledges. And it's interesting to see how a brand can touch so many areas. But obviously, sustainability is a real, real hot topic at the moment. But one thing that is always prevalent is that brands, especially brands like Brewdog that put themselves really out there, you're bound to get like that share of controversy and backlash on social. And I think one of the things that is really valuable for our listeners and people who work at brands is to know how you sort of deal with that. What is the strategy for, for dealing with that? And is opening yourself up in the way that you do? Do brands have much to fear from just sort of being themselves? Uh, yeah, um, yes and no. Again, I think we have definitely experienced our fair share of controversy and backlash on social. Um, it comes part of parcel with doing some of these more crazy out there stunts but Mm, you always seem to bounce back though like you don't seem perturbed by it no well this is it i I think we (laughs) you're always going to upset somebody um Mm. and as long as you try and minimize that as much as possible and be prepared for it then you have to set yourself up in the best stead that you can and often when we're doing something that's a little bit out there we'll know that we're going to stir the pot a bit and sometimes that's even intentional as long as it's not too too far yeah sometimes that is intentional and but you have to prepare for that as much as possible. So we will look at as a as a social PR brand team, we'll look at every sort of possible eventuality or that that may come back at us and try and pre-plan for that as much as possible. Um, so we'll have like our FAQ docs and if someone says this, then we'll say this. And but that said, you can't always um predict it. And and so you just have to be ready when the time comes. And 
we only do things that we truly believe in uh, as a brand, as a business. And yeah, it's not just like controversy for controversy's sake. Not, not so much anymore. Perhaps back in the day, not so much. <laughs> no, not so much anymore. Now, now the controversy. Hey, at least you're honest. Yeah, yeah. But now the controversy always has an angle to it. You know, we created a mega beer, which is make Earth great again, um, and that was a dig at a certain previous leader of the free world. <laughs> Um, <laughs> wonder who yeah and that was brewed using water from the melted arctic ice caps uh, and so it's, it's a big controversial stunt but at the same time there's a, there's an element behind it of why we're doing it and so these are all things that we really really believe in as a business and so we only do things that we can if we need to dig our heels in a little bit and say no this is the right reason this is the right thing to do and this is the reason that we've done it um but even so doing that can be very difficult when you're on the receiving end of a PR storm. And it's, I mean, this is for any business, uh, no matter what what's going on. Like being on the front line on social is probably the hardest place to be. Um, so even if you've made a statement, yeah, it, it doesn't tend to get any easier. You just get better at dealing with it. Um, yeah. You know when to make a statement, you know when to stop responding, like, you know when you need to turn the computer off. Um, but mentally it can be it can be pretty difficult as um as you're moving away from these more controversial sort of bigger stunts that we know have done so well for you guys on social i'm curious to know how you see that impacting your social strategy how you're sort of planning for that and what you're going to supplement it with if you're like taking it in a different direction um so i think i think there's kind of two ways i can answer that one is that we probably will still be in quite we will probably still be quite controversial, um, but it's just contra- controversy with purpose. Yeah. Uh, like, like I said just then, like everything, we, we will still be controversial, but it's doing things like trying to save the planet. Like everything we'll do. Yes, it's con- controversial, but we're doing this to highlight um, the fact that ice caps are melting and that climate change is, is, is going to destroy the planet. And the shift is, and this, this goes back to the being punk question, the shift is being a little bit moving away from contra- controversy for controversy's sake to controversy with purpose, where Yes, we're still going to be outspoken. We're still going to have a bit of attitude. We're still going to be a bit punk, but all of it is actually to try and be a force for good mm-hmm. rather than just doing it to get attention. And I think that's what's important. And you'll see it in all of our comms coming up. Like it's all focused around sustainability or planting trees or offsetting carbon or, you know, some of the controversy maybe with uh, calling out some of the brands who aren't doing things, fast, doing things quickly enough or brands that are greenwashing and saying they're doing all this stuff and uh, actually there's not that much going on behind the scenes. Um, so I think that's why you'll see it a bit more. I mean, naturally as well, Josh, what I'm keen to know is audiences, you will get audiences who see brands sort of acting with purpose and they'll sort of say, you know, don't go above your station. You're a beer brand, you're a this brand. Mm. Do you get a lot of that? And what what is your advice to brands? Is it just say, put two fingers up if you believe in it? Or? Absolutely. Uh, it is you do see that a lot uh, and i think that's where people are so wrong um because businesses are the are the key to changing and to to making the world a better place and to remove the carbon emissions from like the, the government doesn't move quickly enough and we need to be the people to be making that change that the things that have been set by like the paris agreement i can't remember the exact dates but it's not quick enough if you speak to lead scientists so we've got a, we've got a lead scientist on board mike berners lee professor mike berners lee who is advising us on all of our carbon offsetting and and um carbon emissions and, and climate change and all that kind of stuff to make sure we're doing it the right way and that it's not just coming from one tree being planted but it's through our entire supply chain and it's important that we vocalize that because yes we are a beer brand but we have emitted a lot of carbon which is affecting the planet and so it's, it's our responsibility to change that and i think we need to be vocal about it hey you're listening to our social minds interview with josh from brewdog 
So far, it's been interesting listening to him talking about some of the company's best recent beer stunts, controversies, and the importance of purpose. Still to come, we're talking about how Brewdog designs beers with climate change in mind, how the brand is having to adapt their punk personality on social as the business grows, and how brands can avoid coming off as self-serving when talking about their own activism. So stay tuned for more. So from what I've noticed, there are three three sort of elements, I think, to your social strategy. Um, and they all begin with a P. So I've noticed there's PR, there's your products, and then a third one, which is personal brands. So obviously the company um, members within the organization have been really vocal on platforms like Twitter and LinkedIn. I want to know how that influences BrewDog's overall strategy, how it's helped you, how it's hindered you, um, and where you're going to lean into it more. Yeah, this is a, an interesting question. It, it has a huge impact. Uh, You've got a fair few people in the business that have been here since the beginning, the two owners and some of the senior people and some other people in the business. There's a, a lot of people who have been here for a while. And because we have such a community business, so many, we have over 200,000 investors in the business who are so passionate about BrewDog. These members of staff have almost become celebrities in their own right. They have a lot of our investors follow them, a lot of people follow them, a lot of business people, a lot of beer mm. people. So they have big followings. Um, which is uh, again, it's, it's a it's a blessing and a curse. I think we can utilize that to speak about things that you wouldn't usually speak about from a main channel. So um, a lot of the more businessy related stuff, or some of the things that we're doing um, that may look like you're being a bit self congratulatory from the main account, you can have yeah. them speak about what we're up to. Yeah. Um, it really makes people feel a lot closer to the brand if they're speaking directly to like the people that own it um, or the people that work here. Uh, so it's huge benefits to that. Um, and, and even sometimes with marketing, if, we, if we've got a campaign live, um, we'll plan our kind of like our, our launch, uh, our launch phase, our sustained phase and stuff. If it starts to dip, we can we can utilize those guys to share it and keep that conversation going. So there's a lot, a lot of benefits to it. Um, but I think on the other hand, it can be difficult to keep people aligned. Um, often you'll find that messaging can be slightly different between um different accounts uh, and sometimes timing is quite difficult some things have been accidentally leaked when they shouldn't have gone out and things like that so yeah there's pros and cons to it both i think overall it's a it's a huge benefit to the business and, and especially to the people who love the business because, because they can speak to people directly and hear from them directly um but it's something you have to be super super aligned on it like at all times no definitely i think you made a really good point there as well about it's hard to pat yourself on the back from like the company logo page so personal brands come in really handy for that for sure and it could be worse you could have elon musk as your boss <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you use that as the sort of benchmark yeah yeah <laughs> but talking of i mean i'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned Aldi ipa recently as well because uh, i remember when it first came out like I think the girlfriend went to Audi and I was like, right, get as much as you can because it's sort of like really, really nice beer. But um, that aside, I'm, I'm really keen to know, and I'm sure our listeners will keep, be keen to know, how you whip up a good old-fashioned sort of PR storm or PR stunt on social. Because what I love about this is this was something that, like you said, it played out on social. It was very native to social. And it seems like PR has taken on a completely different meaning now. And how do you whip up that story, especially when everything is so sort of macro and outrageous these days. Mm. It's, uh, it, there's no golden formula, I'd say, uh, apart from timing. Timing is just absolutely everything and speed and get it, spotting that opportunity and then keeping it going. And so often you'll see like brands engage with each other. Um, oh, should we do this? Yeah, we should do this. And then nothing ever comes of it and, and it just fades away. But if that kind of thing occurs on our social channels, like we run at it full pelt. Like, okay, this is an opportunity. Let's do it. 
Uh, and you'll see that from loads of our products that we've released in the past. I think like, you know, we had Lockdown Lager, we had the Burner Castle Light Test, we had Ald IPA. Um, there's a couple that I can't speak about coming up now because uh, I don't want to give the game away. But, you know, certain people or certain brands have, have got involved in a conversation and it can be the smallest tweet. And if they're they're interested, we're interested, like the phone gets picked up. I'm like, right, we're doing something now. Um, and that speed and the timing of everybody seeing something kind of happening and bubbling up to then bang, we've done this thing. It's out here. It's a real product. You can go and get it immediately. You've got you've got a narrative there for the press, like the, the yeah. press love an actual narrative. But even more than a narrative of the story, the press love a tangible product. So you can say, look, this mm. little thing happened and it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. And then look, you can actually you can get this now and we're going to give away X amount and you can go and buy the rest. And you've got your social narrative. You've also got the PR story, which then magnifies your moment. Like No, definitely. And what I think is so genius with, I mean, tell me if it's intentional, because that's what I'm really curious about is the fact that when a massive cultural moment happens, online and offline, because, you know, the two sort of happen at the same time. Most brands react with a social media post. They react with a tweet, um, you know, with the idea or with the aim of getting as much attention on that post, which they then use to drive uh, people to their website to make sales. But when you respond to those moments with a product, what is the impact then on like the journey that your customers are taking? And how does that benefit you in the long run as opposed to doing it I guess the old fashioned way. I think it's completely different because the old fashioned way you'll 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 jump into a moment and often there'll be a small spike in conversation mentions uh, all your normal social media metrics, um, which you can be happy about and then it disappears. Whereas if you can bring a product into the play, or if you can bring in an experience or a moment or, or something that it, it makes it go full circle. And and that's a huge, huge difference is that you'll have this moment, but then something comes of it. And then they're like, oh, wow, they've actually done something. They've made something. Yeah. And then within a couple of weeks, they've got this product in their hand, which they then take a picture of and then they put on social. And then you get that full circle. And suddenly this conversation is is much, much bigger and much more visual. Uh, and it's led by the people who are involved in it rather than the brand. Mm. And that's really interesting. I suspect it's, it's talking about moments. I suspect there's like a memory element to it as well, isn't there? Where it more like solidifies the memory within the brand. Like we're, like we're talking about some of the IPAs that you guys have released and yeah, like you said, if you've got a tangible product and you can remember it in that way. But I'm keen to know, because because we often talk about on this podcast about uh, brands being reactive, you know, and just acting in the moment. I'm keen to know what what does that look like internally? And I know you can't give loads away, but what what are the initial conversations? Is it the fact that somebody's seen something on Twitter, so somebody tells their, their colleague or the person next to them, and then, you know, until it gets to the two co-founders? <laughs> it looks or? like a lot of people running around in yeah. office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I happening. Mean, there is a lot of people running around the office i think uh, <laughs> it, 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 the beauty of it actually is that it can come from anywhere um but yes usually it'll, it'll pop up on something like social we'll share with our immediate team and the marketing team and we'll get pretty excited um we will usually then whip up a few ideas of where we think it could go um and then we'll bring in the people who are necessary so the owners the owner is always really involved and he, he loves all this kind of stuff um which is great because then he makes it happen immediately uh which which is always helpful um we have a special projects director who is essentially the, the, the oracle of the business and knows everything um, and who is often responsible for these these things that pop up out of nowhere and they're just making it happen. Um, and, and that's usually the way it will work internally. So it, it, it can come from anywhere. It often does come from social. Sometimes it'll be something Jonas seen. Sometimes it's someone in the bar has seen something and they'll, they'll send it up. Um, and then a team is ready to jump on it immediately. And actually from a product perspective, 
Um, one of the reasons we're able to be so nimble is that we are always brewing beer and we're always brewing new beers. And there's always mm-hmm. a new Brit beer on brew that hasn't been named yet. Um, and such is the beauty of, like, the, I guess, the craft beer market is that we're always experimenting and trying new things. And we've always got a tank ready with a new product in it yeah. that we'll name once it's been tasted, usually. Um, but if something pops up that fits, we can be like, well, this new beer is going to be a burn and cast light test and, <laughs> and it's ready. So, yeah. yeah, we're really fortunate with that. I absolutely love that. I mean, okay, we've we've spoken about your personality as a brand and obviously that's taking a shift now towards purpose. So tell us a little bit, what is BrewDog doing in terms of climate change activism? How is that starting to inform how you guys create new beers now? Mm. Oh, so much. Uh, I'm going to have you, how much time have you got? Um, I think... <laughs> about five minutes. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll be quick. Uh, <laughs> one thing I found when I, when I joined um, BrewDog though, was really interesting to me was that there isn't like one or two people that are like sustainability managers, for example. Um, it's not the responsibility of one person or a small department. Like everybody in the entire business is completely focused on it. Uh, and it's the responsibility of everyone. And, and that I was really impressed with when I joined. Mm. Um, and, and, and like, you know, it starts off small, but there's things like when you join, you, you fill out a form um, that estimates your carbon footprint. Uh, and then BrewDog commits to offsetting, double offsetting your personal carbon. So you're no longer creating, you're, you're now having a positive impact on the planet rather than a negative one based on everything you do, your your air travel, what you eat, the, every, your car, everything that you do. Um, they'll also offset your partners and they'll also offset your dog, which is really <laughs> nice. Um, but you'll be surprised the, the amount of carbon produced by, by a dog is crazy when you look Aww. at all of the, the long-term uh, food and all that kind of stuff. It's, God, yeah. it's, it's a lot of carbon. So yeah, we offset your dog. Uh, and so there's all little things like that. And something that I'd never thought of before is pensions. You don't you don't really consider that um, at all when you think about sustainability. You often think about well, transport or packaging and, and production. But actually, every company um, puts a lot of money into personal pension or, or sorry, like business pensions. Um, but often those pensions are investing in non-sustainable businesses or like fossil fuels and that kind of stuff, mm. which you don't you don't consider. So there's that's something really important to look at. And the pension pots that we invest into are, are all green. So there's that, there's that from kind of an employer perspective. But then like on a macro level, um, we purchased, uh, it was originally two acres of land, but now I think it's way, way more than that. Um, in the Scottish Highlands, in, which is all like kind of peatland that we are now going to be, have started planting trees in. So for every beer that gets sold, we plant a tree in this forest um, to help us offset mm. the amount of carbon we're producing at the moment. Um, that's very early in the stages. So currently we're working with the Eden Project to plant trees on our behalf um, whilst we get that up and ready, and then we'll start planting our own. Um, but that's a huge effort to try and offset the carbon that we're currently producing. Um, but we'd also like to get to carbon not be producing any carbon at all so that's a that's a big focus for us um uh, we've built a wind farm next to the brewery so much of our i think our entire brewery in, is is wind powered now don't quote me on that but i believe it is um we are building an electric fleet so that we're no longer using fossil fuels in our transport um our latest beer the lost lager is built it uses um surplus bread so food waste is one of the biggest biggest issues yeah. um, for carbon um, and for climate change uh, and if you think about supermarkets with all the sandwiches they have like what happens to the ends of those loaves of bread mm. something i've never thought about before every single loaf of bread has an end either side of it and none of that gets used it just gets wasted and that's oh, a yeah. huge amount of bread um so we now work with supermarkets to take that off their hands and that's what we brew our lost lager with 
Um, so there's so many different things that BrewDog are doing. And, and every day, I, like, like you said, I've only been here for a few months, but every day I'm impressed by this new initiative that's been that's coming up. No, um, it's really actually, amazing work. Yeah, one was announced today, actually, that I'd love to speak about. It's called uh, Planet First Locals. And so if there's a small bar or pub that sells, has two of our beers on tap, um, we will then bring in our carbon experts to work with them to calculate the carbon footprint. Um, and help them build a plan to reduce it. And we'll also help to offset it with a section of our forest dedicated to them, which I think is amazing. Um, yeah. So we're, we're now helping other businesses to become uh, more sustainable as well. What I love about this as well is it sounds like, I mean, feel free to take the floor, Josh, but in terms of like advice to other brands who are trying to get to this point, it sounds like, the way you need to go about things is very creative, creative thinking and thinking out, I hate saying that word, thinking outside the box, but it's not a cookie cutter strategy, is it? Is it just sort of auditing and looking at everything you possibly do and finding creative kind of ways of offsetting carbon or, or whatever it is in terms of purpose that you're looking to do, whatever aspects? Yeah, absolutely. You, you have to be creative uh, and you have to you have to invest um, in many cases. And, that, and that's often why... Um, a lot of businesses are, are failing in this in this respect because it does take investment. I think I can't remember the number, but I think we've just invested around 10 million in um, uh, it's super it's super scientific and essentially in a huge piece of factory um, equipment that's going to convert air, it's a certain type of air, into a positive type of air. Like I'm not explaining this very well. I'm not the most scientific, but um, <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of money that needs to be put into this, and so. Yeah, there's there's two sides of it. You have to invest, but then you do have to be creative. You have to be smart. Like the fact that they've clocked that the ends of bread is being <laughs> wasted, and that yeah, we can actually I turn. Yeah, I never that into even beer. thought about that before. But you're totally right. I mean, so obviously you're being really creative with how you approach the solutions themselves. But what I'm interested to hear about, and I think what a lot of brands would benefit from hearing, is how you then communicate that on social because we know how important brand purpose has become and we know that these issues matter to people. However, I do think there's a little bit of fatigue about seeing brands talk about it all the time. And like you mentioned earlier, Josh, give yourself a pat on the back. So what have you guys found works best when you're talking about all the good stuff that you're doing without, you know, appearing really self-congratulatory? Yeah, this is possibly the most difficult challenge of all because it's also that you either become very self-congratulatory or it's quite boring. Yeah. Sometimes it's not the most interesting thing to listen to. Um, and so how you communicate that is really difficult. And honestly, we've, we've probably got it wrong a few times. So we have been quite self-congratulatory. Like, look, we're amazing. We're doing this thing. And it's it, the tone isn't quite right. And so everyone has, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really hard. And I think um, sometimes it's a matter of like working with other people. Like if I relate back to one of my experiences with KFC, um, they had an amazing food donation scheme where leftover food from the rest of the day that would usually be wasted was donated to local homeless shelters and it's an amazing story and we created a great video about it um but it was very nice and very almost a little bit self-congratulatory and it just didn't didn't really stick mm. um and so they then partnered with Unilad a couple of years later and we got them to tell the story for us using a, an influence that they worked with very often I just repositioned it slightly and said that food waste is an issue in this country here's like x amount is wasted here's what KFC is doing to tackle it and you've got a far more entertaining piece of content and also the mindset of the the viewer is in is very different place where they're more willing to to listen um so a lot of it is down to the approach uh, and actually this is where we can probably be a little more punk and keep that keep that punk in the way that we speak about it mm. so not so long ago we we released um uh, an, an advert with posters around the country saying 
fuck you CO2. Um, but the C and the K was covered by a picture of a can. Um, and that's kind of how we keep our core, like we were speaking about earlier, that's how you keep your core personality and brand mm. whilst doing good. And then you can spice up the more like corporate developments at the same time. It's yeah. win-win. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that. It's, it's, it's come full circle and back to the brand values. But Josh, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast and really interesting nuggets there on all manner of topics as well, in, in, including sort of product development. So, you know, really hope the best for Brewdog, not that you need it. Uh, we'll, we'll be seeing all these stunts and crazy uh, campaigns and all the sustainability efforts taking place as well. So, and everyone go again. get a, a can of Ald IPA. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. It's been great speaking to you guys. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. <laughs>